Welcome to episode eight of the Future Firm Accounting Podcast, the place where you can learn about how to modernize and keep your firm on the cutting edge. I'm your host, Ryan Lozanis, and today I'm chatting with Jessica Ma, co-founder and CEO of Indonero. Co-founded by Jessica when she was 19 in 2010, Indonero has raised close to $10 million and offers bookkeeping, tax, and CFO level services on top of their proprietary software platform. They're one of the few accounting tech startups I often feature in my free Future Firm Weekly Top 5 email, where I curate the top five pieces of content you need to know about to help keep your firm on the cutting edge. To sign up, please visit www.futurefirm.co slash top five. Today, I'm speaking to Jessica about what Indonero is, what makes it different from a normal firm, and some of the recent firm acquisitions they've made. This last point is particularly interesting to me as Indonero is a non-traditional firm acquiring other non-traditional firms, so I'm keen to hear what the company looks for in its acquisitions. Jessica, thank you very much for being here today. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. So uh, look, before we kind of get into it, I was doing a little bit of research and uh, I noticed there was one article where I saw you flying an airplane and uh, I don't know if I read this correctly, but uh, I think you do this as a hobby, but I think I, I read that you also fly to meetings sometimes, like you fly yourself to meetings. Is that, did I read right? Yeah, all the time. I love flying. It's been a passion of mine and uh, obsession, frankly, for probably five, six years now. Wow. How did you get into that? Well, I I was having... Uh, so much fun just like, you know, building my business, but I also wanted to have a life outside of business too. And mm-hmm. this just seemed like a great thing to do to just clear my head of work and also just be more creative uh, with uh, just be more in flow state. Like when, when I'm flying, I just feel free and I'm just focused on not crashing the plane. <laughs> and day to day within the narrow, it's it's a lot of work, right? I'm in meetings yeah. back to back from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. talking to my software engineers to my customer success team. And it's just it's just like nonstop. And then when I'm in the plane, I feel like I could just relax. And it's just uh, it's just like fishing for me. Wow. <laughs> so like we're probably t- polar opposites here because I do everything possible to stay away from airplanes. Um, so <laughs> you, you, it seems like you're trying to get into airplanes. I'm trying to get out of them. But um uh, how how often are you flying to meetings or how often often are you flying yourself to meetings and stuff like that? Almost every week. Well, wow. just for context, Indonero has grown a lot over the past 10 years. We have in the hundreds of employees and they are located across 10 plus cities and offices. And, and that means that I'm constantly on the road. I'm always traveling. I'm always visiting team members. And yeah, having an airplane as a tool is really, really cool. Cool. Well, I, I think I could spend a, a lot more time talking about this. I think this is very interesting, but I want to get into uh, really what your company is about. So what is Indonero exactly? Yeah, well, when I started Indonero, I thought, how great would it be if we can modernize the accounting world and all the stuff that my accountant and my bookkeeper were doing when I was running my businesses in college, I thought there's gotta be a better way. I wanna have real-time visuals and analytics to better understand my cash flow, how my business is performing. And I also 
felt that there's just so much work that they were doing, like just bringing in the bank statement data and categorizing transactions for me and, you know, putting all this info on a tax return. A lot of this is pretty boring and mundane and these are such smart people. Why can't more of that be done with software? And I studied computer science in college. Programming was my childhood passion, along with airplanes, of course. (laughs) And I thought, okay, maybe if I shadowed accountants, I could help them with their job and I could actually create a lot of value here. And that led to me thinking, well, why don't I also just sell the accounting services directly to businesses? And now in the narrow is, as many would describe, a very uh, tech-enabled accounting practice. And we're when, when I say tech-enabled, I mean, we build our own proprietary software to do all what I said. I mean, on one hand, it is about automation. And on the second, the second part of it is you just want to add more value to the business owner. And uh, I think software is just a powerful tool for that. So I think that's interesting where you're saying you're a tech-enabled accounting practice because I think like as I was reading articles and different interviews uh, preparing for this uh, podcast episode, I saw you go through a little bit of an, in De Niro go through a little bit of a transformation and almost a bit of an identity crisis uh, where like, are you a software company? Are you a tech startup? Are you an accounting firm? And I I find it interesting that you now call yourself a tech-enabled uh, accounting firm because when you started, um, you started really just as a software company. You weren't providing services uh, at the beginning. Is that right? Yeah, that's completely right. We we only had software, but then the problem was that we just couldn't deliver a a great solution to our customers. And ultimately, our customers wanted to make sure that they didn't have to deal with anything. They just wanted mm-hmm. their tax returns filed mm-hmm. and we just didn't have enough software and tech to be able to do that at the time. And accounting is just so complicated. I don't think it could ever be a hundred percent software. I think there has to be some human component involved and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and uh, I think even one day, if it's 90% software, 10% people, then the people are going to add a hell of a lot of value there. So, Mm -hmm. so that's why, that's why I call it tech enabled accounting versus just, tech only accounting. I don't I don't think tech only accounting is going to give give customers the best solution. Okay. And, and what like, I think I like I saw in this New York Times article where you you said and you you echoed it here once again where, you know, the software wasn't really cutting it. You needed to pair that with accountants and bookkeepers and CPAs and that kind of stuff and give give um, business owners or businesses a one-stop accounting shop or one kind of solution. Do you think that's still what businesses want today? Like fast forward five years, are they still looking for that one-stop shop or does it make sense? uh, Or do you think they just want bits and pieces here and there? Well, if you think about what it's like to be an entrepreneur, these entrepreneurs are so busy. They got so much going on. They just want it all done. And so I think one-stop shop is really the way to go. I think it's here to stay. And offering a full suite of services means it's just better for the customer. That's customer-centric, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I think it's here to stay. And, and 
what um how are you different from most accounting firms because again you started as a software company and you um, graduated towards uh, offering more and more different kinds of services on top of that software what makes you different from most accounting firms i think the biggest differentiator is the software and that overall customer experience and when we talk to business owners, we're, we're telling them about how it's not just about your accounting and your books getting done or your taxes getting done. It's the process by which we do it is just so much easier and customer friendly and entrepreneur friendly than what they, a lot of them get from their former accountant where they're getting a binder or this big Excel spreadsheet they got to fill out at tax time and lots of back and forth with phone calls and emails and stuff that we really try to get rid of. And having more automation, I also believe means higher quality, fewer mistakes. So you add all that together along with the fact that we're a one-stop shop solution. And you know, I know that many accounting firms are moving towards being one-stop shop. Um, you know, we, we just feel like we have a really compelling offering here and, and uh, it really shows in our customer base. Okay, and how big is your team currently? I think you said you had hundreds of employees. Uh, how many people, how many of them are bookkeepers? How many of them are accountants or CPAs? How many developers? Is that something you're able to to talk about? Yeah, I'm I'm a pretty open book person by and large. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we're going to end this year. So we're recording this uh, right before Christmas. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going to end this year with uh, about 300 full-time people. Wow. And I think we'll have 400, 500 people uh, in the next, uh, six to nine months, if I had to guess. Very cool. And we have a lot of accounting and bookkeeping people, mm-hmm. but we also have many, many, I'd say the majority is definitely, uh, customer service, account management, uh, accounting. Um, and then we have a lot of folks who are helping with, um, you know, data entry, and things that we just haven't automated away. And then we mm-hmm. do have in the dozens of people doing like general support for the company, like, you know, HR, engineering, product management, design, and all that other stuff. Okay. And I imagine you have a, a team of developers as well, uh, constantly working on uh, the platform. Yeah, we do. That's, that's probably my favorite part of what I do, actually working with the product team. Okay, because I think your your focus is more on the customer experience, is it? Yeah, customer experience and also our internal accountant experience. We want to make it easier for them to deliver a great, um, compelling solution for our customers. So, so it's really I, I really have two customer pieces hmm. uh, in a way I have to look out for. That's very interesting, actually. Could you expand a little bit on that? What What is that internal accountant experience all about? Like, what are why why focus on that? What's the reason behind that? And what are some of the initiatives you might be working on? Yeah, well, with uh, within an era, if you think about it, we have we have a lot of accountants, and and uh, fortunately or unfortunately, they have to do a lot of work still that we haven't automated away. So we're constantly talking to them and. And asking them, hey, how do we uh, how do we get rid of that crappy work you want you don't mm-hmm. want to do? Mm-hmm. And and so every quarter we have kind of this like ongoing list of what are the top priorities that help level up our team. 
And because um, we don't want to just have to hire people all day long, like having bragging about how many employees you have when mm. you're in a tech enabled accounting practice. Uh, that's just not um, that, that's going to get you nowhere. So from my perspective, I want to level up my existing team. I want them to be relationship managing with their customers. but I don't want them to have to do a lot of mundane work. So, mm. so that's what I mean when I say I have to worry about my own internal uh team member experience right so is it more around workflow automation and getting getting all those processes squared up a lot of it is workflow automation and getting the processes squared up there's a lot of talk about ai and machine learning and Mm -hmm. i went to quickbooks connect and they talked Mm -hmm. so much about ai and machine learning but what i've found is that so much of the mental overhead and uh time and energy from uh, my team members is really workflow and communication back and forth with customers that takes up so much time and effort. Um, and no amount of AI and machine learning can ever fix that. I mean, I just feel like everyone's talking about AI and ML and mm-hmm. it's just, it's just, uh, it's getting abused in my opinion. Yeah. And I think, I think Intuit's abusing that too. Okay. So you think a little too much hype then? I think it's a ton of hype and, you know, Bill.com is talking about it. And I know they outsource a lot of that uh, mm-hmm. of vendors. So it's just like, I feel like people are talking about it because that's what investors want to hear. Yeah. But ultimately, what matters is what what do the customers experience? Right. You know? Right. Okay. Um, what do you, What is your vision for Indonero? Uh, because I think it's shifted a little bit since the early days. So what are you, what are you trying to achieve with Indonero? What's, what's the company's vision? Yeah, well, with Indonero, we really want to be the leader in tech-enabled accounting. And I think, I mean, as far as like revenue goes and actual scale of business, I think we are the the leader. Like if I look at all your articles and everyone you, you've uh, talked about and written about, I, I know for a fact we are uh, further along than everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels really cool. And I want to keep on building a compelling uh, business here. So what, and uh, yeah, I mean, just to build on that real mm-hmm, quickly, yep. just expand on that. I think I don't just want to stay in accounting. I think what's really interesting to me is building a suite of services that's like a uh, Amazon for business services. So I think accounting is like a great starting point, but I do want to move into other ancillary areas that will support what our customers need. And I'm not in a rush to do that, but that's that is the master plan. So more of a marketplace for other services or you want to deliver them yourself and what other kind of services would you have in mind? We will deliver other services and it's not, it's, it's not really definitive what those other things will be yet because there's so many choices. Mm-hmm. Um, like think about it as an accountant, like what would the accountant be asked about? I mean, they're asked about everything from, um, from what should I do about payroll to HR needs to business insurance mm-hmm. to even like where should I like you know park my money <laughs> um, or how should I you know uh, you know what should I do about yeah so there's just so much that we could do here and I'm particularly interested in really improving an archaic old school business industry where we there's a lot of room for automation that's that's really what intrigues me and i think that's the thesis of indonero indonero is not really 
just going to be in the business of accounting. We're, we're in the business of modernizing archaic industries. Mm-hmm. Okay. So taking that one-stop shop to the next level, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, so services you're offering right now, uh, bookkeeping, tax, compliance type work. You also offer some CFO level service, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Uh, and and on um, on your site it says um, something about on demand CFOs. When when I hear like on demand, I hear I think about like like an Uber type model where you know you could press a button and you can have someone at your fingertips whenever you want, kind of thing. Is that is that essentially what you're going after, or what does on demand really mean? What does on demand CFO mean for you? Yeah, I mean, for us, that that's exactly what it means. We do get calls all the time from people saying, hey, I need an on-demand CFO, like, today. Mm-hmm. And we're able to provide that for customers. And more importantly, that's how we get our foot in the door with accounts to be able to deliver all the other tech-enabled um, you know, services that I want to offer. Because I don't want to be in the CFO business. That's not... Mm-hmm as interesting to me, but it, as part of this one-stop shop philosophy, I think it's important to, to offer it. And the reason you don't want to be in that CFO business, is it because it's not super scalable or what's the reason why you might want, not want to be focusing there? I, I don't, I don't care as much about it just because, you know, again, I come from a programming mm-hmm. and product background and, and I could add value to the CFO services uh, with product and engineering, but not to the same extent that I could do in other um, with the other uh, things that we sell. Okay, like more of the so, bookkeeping and compliance type work. Exactly there, it's like software adds so much value, and that's really makes that's what makes this business different. Right. And uh, but there are so many on-demand CFO services out there. You know, there's just not going to be as much on the surface differentiation, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. When we're talking about some of the stuff that you're automating, um, I know you mentioned like a a little bit earlier that you said that, you know, uh, you're a little bit ahead of the game compared to some of the other players out there. Like what are some of the things that you feel where you're a little bit ahead of the curve or like, is it in part due to the software platform that you develop maybe you could talk a little bit about the the software platform that you've developed and then we i can get to a few other questions of mine describe the the platform that you've developed yeah well uh i think about the platform as kind of like a mint.com for businesses and i basically want it to be just a really easy to understand uh dashboard for a business owner to see what's going on day to day with their business and um and, and so that, that's really what the customer's experiencing day to day. And then we also built our own, what I like to call TurboTax for sophisticated businesses. You think about TurboTax with just, you know, uh, everyday people doing their personal taxes, but we really took a lot of inspiration from them and built our own version, but for our business customers. So uh, you combine all that together, that's, that's what what uh, business owners experience when they work within an era. Okay. So there's, is that a tax product that you just described or I'm not sure I understood that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's part of our tax offering. So, I mean, we file the business 
taxes for, Mm -hmm. you know, the vast, vast, vast majority of our customers. Right. And why, I guess, why develop these products? Why not use something like a QBO or a Zero or, you know, the equivalent type of tax product out there? What, what advantages have you seen by being able to develop this software yourself? I think that, like, just building our own software has just given us, you know, just such, such a big advantage in so many ways because we have so much control over our data. We have control over... Uh, what gets automated and, and what doesn't get automated. And I think Intuit's doing uh, a fairly good job, but, you know, there's just so much more they could still do. Mm-hmm. And and so we can't really rely on them for all of that. We have to, we have to go off and take it to the next level. Right. Is, you know? is there an example of something that you're automating that most firms are not, for instance, is that something you're able to speak about? Like what is your software able to automate that's not really on the market right now? I'd say this goes back to like workflow Mm -hmm. and just like managing the communication back and forth with a customer. That's something that accounting software is not really focused on or that Mm -hmm. we couldn't just rely on QBO for. And I guess you could hodgepodge a bunch of third-party solutions together and that gets you pretty far along the way. But since we build our own software, it's just a more cohesive experience. So that's the difference. Mm. Um, it's not like a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, as an accountant, you could still do it. It's just not as elegant. That's all. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to see that actually, because I know when I ran my own firm, one of the most inefficient parts of the job was a lot of the back and forth communication, especially on the bookkeeping, because it's lots of like minute details and you're going back and forth with the client. I could see that being... Um, you know, I know that's very inefficient. So is, is this something that is, are you saying that you have something in your product that's helped um, improve that experience then? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's the big part of what we're trying to build here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, is there anything that is not currently being automated that you foresee being automated in the near future? Yeah, I mean, there's still so much that we haven't automated yet. Uh, things are just lower priority for us. Like, for example, uh, like, you know, there are a lot of uh, companies that claim they do OCR on uh, pictures of receipts. Mm-hmm. That's just something we don't care to automate ourselves. And, you know, we're just going to work with third party partners to do that for us, mm-hmm. as an example. So there, and, and I think that's what's really cool about the uh, accounting tech world right now there's just so many more solutions coming out Mm -hmm. and when i first started the company we felt like we had to build everything from scratch ourselves and now that we're coming into 2020 i don't feel that way at all anymore i feel like we're really happy to partner with other people and even if we're only you know 70 80 percent proprietary 23 percent partnered up with other people i think that's fantastic that that just gives us so much more leverage and also gives a lot of other accountants uh, a ton of leverage as well that they wouldn't have had a few years ago. Right. And on the topic of uh, automation, um, where do you see things heading? Um, because I found it interesting when you said that, you know, there's a lot of hype w- with uh, AI and machine learning and a lot of these vendors are pushing that and, you know, they're pushing advisory services as, as the service you need to offer because everything else is going to be 100% automated. So I don't think you're buying into that narrative completely, if I understand correctly. Um, 
And if, if, if so, like, where do you see things heading in the next few years? Like, do you still see a place for those, uh, standard type compliance services? Do you think, um, you know, you're going to, all of that is going to be completely automated. Like, I'm curious to hear your views about where you see uh, this industry heading in the next few years. Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked. I, I, I am skeptical, frankly, and I, I think that at the accounting firms, because I've been going to these, uh, I mean, at the accounting uh, conferences, mm-hmm. I've been going to those shows for many years, yeah. and it's been the same thing every year for the past 10 years. Yeah. Accounting will be fully automated, moving to advisory services. That's the only way you can differentiate. Uh, your jobs are going to be automated by AI mm-hmm. and machine learning in the next five years. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take a long time for us to truly see uh the vast majority of this work being automated. So that's kind of my first point. I think I think everyone's overly optimistic on the timetable. They say, oh, it's gonna happen faster than you think. Yeah. And it, it will happen faster than people think, but it's not gonna happen as fast as they think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, being in the world of actually doing the automation work. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, attending these uh, conferences for many years as well. And, uh, I, uh, I fully agree with you. Uh, you know, you hear the same kind of thing every single year. Um, but really in practice, that's not really how it's playing out. Um, so I find it interesting that, uh, you have that view as well. Um, I do, but with that said, I think, I think the advice on advisory and being able to charge a ton of money for that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And I I think, I think there's something compelling to that because like, if you think about it, like accountants, uh, I mean, they have, they have, uh, so much more experience and, uh, background to be able to, you know, lend their advice and to really consult with these business owners. That's, that is their differentiation and they got to lean into that more. Whereas for me, my differentiation comes from like product and engineering and I I'm leaning away from the advisory services. If anything, I want to partner with people who are leaning into advisory services and, uh, you know, really have a complimentary offering. That's, that's where I think it, this could be win-win. And so I don't think tech-enabled accounting uh, companies like Indonero or the many others that that uh, you've heard of, mm-hmm. I don't think this is at all threatening to the accounting world. And I, and, um, I know a lot of people were worried about that a few years ago. I just, I just don't see how it's a credible threat at all. Yeah. No, I, I really like what you guys are doing. I think it's definitely the future. Um, I know there's a few others in your space as well. Um, but really, I think it's interesting. You know, I, I like to, whether it's a accounting tech startup or tech enabled accounting firm, whatever we want to call it, I think, you know, you really understand that uh, the focus is really on the customer experience. And I think that's where a lot of firms are getting it wrong is they're not focusing on that j- customer journey. And it seems like you're, uh, you're laser focused on ensuring that every step of the way, uh, your customers are going to have a pleasant experience. So I think that's really interesting. Um, and I think it, what's also interesting, we chatted about this, um, uh, uh, earlier was that, um, you do have a few, few competitors in your space. Um, all of you are kind of taking angles that are a little bit different, um, but what I found interesting is that um, even though you're competitors, that uh, you know you're you're all friendly, cordial. Uh, you had a get together to share best practices. I know uh, you, uh, you know you guys, Botkeeper, a few of the others as well. Um, and I don't think you'd see that in the traditional traditional space. I don't think you'd see like the top 
accounting firms out there getting together and sharing best practices. Why did you guys do that? <laughs> yeah, well, um, frankly, I want to give you that super honest answer mm-hmm. here. Uh, I saw a little bit of infighting with the group mm-hmm. where people were taking out ads against each mm-hmm. other. And I just personally found it uh, really lame. Mm-hmm. And so I had like someone from company A, another tech enabled accounting mm-hmm. business, let's say, call me and say, hey, do you know the CEO of a uh, tech enabled accounting firm <laughs> okay. B? No, na- so no names, right? Me- I don't want to name <laughs> of names. Course. I love yeah. all of them and they're all, yeah. they've all become good friends yeah. of mine. Uh, but I'm like, guys, let's just all make a pact here. No more buying ads against each other. Let's just focus on building great solutions mm-hmm. for our customers. And like, and we'll, we'll uh, I mean, we don't even see each other in competition that much. We're not like fighting for deals against each yeah. other. So like, why are we resorting to that? And then after that, I had the idea of, you know, we have so much we could learn from each other. Let's get together. So um, I just like launched an email. I'm like, hey, what dates work for y'all? And, and then we just all got together and, you know, we hung out. We're like, wow, we actually really like each yeah. other. <laughs> cool. You know? cool. So is this going to be an annual thing, you think? Or uh, or you guys all keep in touch? I think so. Yeah. yeah? Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I really I really love these guys there. And I, I talk to them a lot. I'm, I'm seeing um, Enrique from mm-hmm. Bodkeeper next month for mm-hmm. dinner. Um, and so I'm just... I just, I just love these guys and we have so much to learn from each other. And I think, I think frankly, uh, people in other industries would be better served making friends with people who they deem as their competition, because what you'll realize is that you can support each other. And also long-term, you're not going to be as competitive as you think. Like, I don't like before coming into the meeting, I'm sure some people are like on edge thinking, all right, like, how are you going to, you know? fight each other to the death. And now I don't think anyone feels that way. I think everyone's like, wow, I have my own like path. And, um, you know, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, no, I I like that. I think, uh, I could draw some parallels there because when I started my firm in, um, in 2013, there was, uh, very few cloud firms in the country at the time. And, uh, there was really, uh, only two others and, uh, we all, didn't really know what we were doing. And we said, you know, why don't we get together? Why don't we have this, some discussions and share a little bit of information back and forth? And I think you see a lot more collaboration in this space than you used to, you know, uh, 10, 20, 30 years ago. So it's very interesting um, uh, that, uh, that you all are on that, uh, that path as well. Why do you think these um, tech-enabled firms or heavily technology-oriented firms are popping up more right now. Do you think it's in response to uh, an industry that has really not evolved fast enough? Like a lot of these traditional players are just providing, I think what you described earlier in, 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 uh, in this episode as a um, like very archaic and old school type process. Like why do you think these tech enabled firms are popping up more and more now? I think it's exactly what you just said. It's that there just hasn't been a whole lot of innovation on the full uh, overarching solution and customer experience. And, um, but with that said, I, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot more come out here. I think we, we saw a nice big crop spring up over the past three mm-hmm. years and we've collectively raised, you know, what hundreds of millions of dollars now. I think, I think it's fairly saturated. And I, I think that at this point, um, you know, 
it's it's just going to be these like top five six players let's mm-hmm. say um and we're going to kind of go in different directions yeah. but um but yeah I, I, I think it's exactly what you just said okay um what about uh i want to get to some of the uh, acquisitions you've made because i think you i was able to find two acquisitions that you've made uh online where there is is have you made more than that or are you at two firms that you've acquired to date um we have done more mm-hmm. um and uh the the others just didn't want to be disclosed so um that's why you know i'm just trying to respect yep, that privacy absolutely but uh but yeah, we've done a few acquisitions of what I would consider tech forward accounting mm-hmm. practices. Okay, so there's a differentiation uh, there. In, exactly. Tech forward being they really embrace the off-the-shelf solutions yeah. out yeah. there, but they don't have their own proprietary, pr- proprietary technology. Mm-hmm. They don't have their own software engineering team. And so um, some of them came to us, some of them we came to. And said, "Hey, look, we could really partner together and blow this out of the water." Um, and uh, and there's like just just a really good culture fit there, given you know that they're already tech tech board. So why do you want to make these acquisitions? Is it for the client? Is it for the revenue? Is it for the talent? Like why 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 acquire other firms rather than just focus on you know uh, your own sales and marketing activities internally? It's all of the, of the above. Like, for example, I that we had to offer some CFO services, mm-hmm. and it was just faster for us to acquire that capability than for me to build it out myself. Is that Temp CFO? And yeah, Temp CFO brought that to the table. And uh, frankly, we just I just didn't have it in me to do it from scratch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I guess I could have, but I just didn't want to. Um, so capability is a big part of it. But also, um, yeah, I mean, I really like the idea of figuring out, like, how do we apply our tech onto other accounting firms? Because I've always wanted to sell our tech to other accounting yeah. firms. And when I first started in an era, that was actually the strategy. Let's let's pull off what Bill.com did, where at least half of our business is just from selling it to accountants. And then the accountants will push it down to their mm-hmm. customers. And we were really unsuccessful at it. I mean, Renee Lassert was really like great at coaching me through it. Um, and, uh, you know, and he's like, look, you re- this is going to be a central investment for the business and it's going to take you many years. And, you know, even with all that, I just sucked at mm-hmm. it for some reason. And I think it's just because what we're trying to build is just so, you know, it's so complicated for an accountant to adopt. And so I thought, okay, well, let's, let's try to bring in some outside party but we have a little more jurisdiction over like what their focus area is and see if you could really apply it. Right. And, um, and so it's teaching us a lot. It's really a great learning exercise for us. Um, I, I wouldn't say we've nailed it by any means. We're still trying to figure it out. Um, but, but, you know, as Renee Lassert says, it's a long journey. And if you're in the accounting world, you have to have like a 10 year outlook at least like, this is not a, build a business uh, to flip it type of situation. And anyone who wants to do that here is just in for a lot of hurt. Mm-hmm. And uh, so look, like we've done a few of these uh, acquisitions. Um, we're still trying to learn from it. And if it takes me 10 years to figure it out, it'll take me 10 years to, to figure it out. Right. 
are other acquisitions on the way? Is this something you're actively seeking at the moment? Yeah, we are. I mean, we have other things we want to, other capabilities we want to build out um, that we just don't do. So we're, we kind of like make, made a list of all these things. And I, I kind of rambled onto you earlier what that list looks like. And, uh, and then, you know, I'm just looking for other companies that could do that because, you know, I think it's just easier and oftentimes cheaper to acquire the capability than to just build it myself. Um, which is interesting because when I first started the company, I'm like, I'll just build it all <laughs> myself. Why should I partner with yeah. anyone? That just seems like stupid. Mm -hmm. And now I love partnering and I love acquiring. I, I'm not, I'm not as egotistical as I, I think I was when I first started the business. <laughs> um, <laughs> so back on this topic of acquisitions then, um, so you've acquired a few firms, um, you know, you're, and I'd obviously consider you a non-traditional firm and you're looking to acquire other non-traditional firms. Um, what are you looking for in these firms? Because most firms, when they make an acquisition, they're looking for the client base and that's it. And the valuation is based on the client base. Um, it seems you're not really, I mean, the clients are coming along with it, but you're looking to acquire other things when you acquire these, these firms. Like, what are you looking for when you acquire these firms? Like, what makes you say, okay, you know what? Like, what are some of the things that absolutely need to be there for you to go ahead with that acquisition? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I'd say uh, you, you kind of nailed it completely. <laughs> it, it can't just be about the customers because for us, like we could acquire customers in a bunch of different ways. For us, it's about acquiring a unique capability that we don't already offer. So that's kind of one category. Uh, two is um, really great talent that can do things that our current talent pool might not be as great at or bring in a uh, leadership experience that our current team doesn't already have. So we are looking at um, accounting firms in like geographies where we just don't have a strong presence. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's also really compelling to me um, because, you know, we, uh, and and the, the counterpoint to that is, well, why don't we just hire salespeople in Houston mm -hmm. and just build out a, a nice sales office there that targets all the businesses there. But if we acquire a capability uh, where we have people like an accounting practice that already has a presence in Houston, then we're just going to, I think that's just like another way to turbocharge growth. So um, I'd say that's also the biggest part, uh, one of the bigger parts of this. And would there be any deal breakers? Like, because you could have those points that you mentioned, but still operate in the traditional world. Uh, you could still operate with very, you know, archaic old school technology. Would something like that be a deal breaker for you? Or is there any deal breakers that, that, that you see? Yeah, I'd say culture fit could be a deal breaker because life's too short to work with people you don't mm -hmm. want to work with. Um, and I'd say they could have some elements of uh, being more traditional um, but, you know, I, I just love working with people who want to modernize, who are like so excited about uh, what the accounting world is going to look like in 2030. So it's really that attitude that has to permeate through uh, the mm -hmm. firm. And uh, if they have an attitude, then, you know, you know, they're, all, they're on QuickBooks Online and, you know, they're using these other great services that plug in, um, you know, versus some of the traditional folks who are like, yeah, I don't want to innovate. I don't want to do anything different. I, 
I just like my QuickBooks desktop. Yeah, not for you then. <laughs> like that, that would not work <laughs> out. No. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. But that kind of goes to the point where like, you know, for accounting firms that want to have an exit, who want to get acquired, it, it really can't just be about revenue and, you know, your, your customer book anymore. It's got to be so much more. Um, because because there's so many accounting practices out yeah. there and uh you know buyers have choice so do you see as the models change and i'm not asking you to comment specifically on valuations but the typical valuation that you've seen in the industry is around a one times revenue are you seeing like as the models change other kinds of valuations emerging or is it really largely around that one times revenue multiple yeah, it's a good question, actually. And I wish more people talked openly about this. Um, and of course, everyone tries to keep it super, you know, close to the chest, mm -hmm. right? So I'll tell you my personal yeah. opinion. I think that valuations are going left road or right mm -hmm. road. Left road being you're traditional and you're not even worth 1x anymore. You're worth 0.5x or you're worth 0.8x. Seriously. 0.5. Wow, I haven't uh, seen a 0.5 yet, but definitely 0 0.7, 0 0.8 you hear about. But I have not heard about a point five yet. Yeah. I think I think it's going to go in that direction. <laughs> okay. I I don't. I've only seen one accounting firm that I'm like, wow, this is totally a point five, <laughs> if not less. <laughs> like it's just so bad. <laughs> and and then you're going to see right road where um they'll go you know one point two, one point three, one point four, one point five in some mm -hmm. cases, and uh, one point five is a little more rare. Um, one point four two, but but uh, the way that's going to happen is that these accounting firms that are, um, they, they got to be tech forward and have that modern attitude that I was telling you about earlier. But on top of that, um, I think that the way this would work is accounting, the, the buyers, um, so like the Inaneros or the regional accounting firms of the world, um, they would have like a base price to the acquisition mm -hmm. saying, Hey, like no matter what you'll get X, but if you grow the practice over the next two years, and if you do X, Y, and C to continue the modernization effort, then, you know, you're going to get the premium valuation. So I think a lot of the premium mm -hmm. valuation will be uh, variable. Like tied to certain, um, it, it's not tied like to a, certain results. Exactly. Tied to milestones. And milestones that are you know reasonable to accomplish, given that this accounting firm is already tech forward and uh, you know modern attitude. I so, do you say. think the ceiling for a tech forward accounting firm is one point five? Is that the ceiling? I don't think it's necessarily the ceiling. Um, I think it, it also has to be based off EBITDA. Mm -hmm. I think it's just so interesting how accounting firms, you know, one x revenue is kind of the benchmark yeah. you see uh, or hear about. But I actually don't really see a whole lot of deals at one X. Like, again, I'm, I'm telling you about this left road, right road mm -hmm. concept. Yep. And uh, it ultimately comes back to like, okay, what are the gross margins we're seeing? And what are, what's the EBITDA? Um, Cause if you go into private equity um, and uh, you know, the normal business world outside of the accounting world, it's, you know, the, the number you hear is four to six X EBITDA, mm -hmm. right? And so 1x revenue could be considered low. That could be like 3x EBITDA for like a super tech forward yeah. accounting firm that, you know, outsources all of its work to India that, 
you know, doesn't have an office space. They're all, you know, bookkeepers working from home, right? And I sometimes see those where I'm like, oh my God, this is a real premium shop mm-hmm. here where, you know, maybe they would get more than 1.5X because they actually do all of the above and they're so operationally efficient. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So that's the other thing. I think, I think we're going to eventually move away from this 1X revenue number. And I, I think we're going to start talking about EBITDA a little bit more when it comes to the accounting acquisition Got world over the next interesting, 10 years. Interesting. Uh, I want to, we have a couple minutes left here, but I want to take a bit of time for you to kind of go over your distributed workforce. Um, you have hundreds of team members and they're located in not only different parts of the country, but different parts of the world, if I understand correctly. Correct. So tell me where, where, where are these team members located? So we have people, I'm, I'm personally based between LA and New York, and we have team members in LA and New York, of course, scattered across uh, the East Coast in, I think, four or five different states. And I, I can't even name all the states mm-hmm. for you, because I just don't okay. remember where everyone's yeah. at. <laughs> um, and then we have an office in San Francisco, Portland, Indianapolis, and then, and then you know, we got a few random people in like Boise, Idaho, and Vancouver, and other other cities like mm-hmm. that, um, where we don't have like an actual office, we just have people working from yeah. home. And uh, I really love that. I think that is the future. And I'm really encouraging my people ops team to make it so that we're super work from home right. friendly. Um, if, if anything, work from home first. In fact, as I'm talking to you, I'm not, I decided not to even go into my LA office, which is five minutes away. I'm just hanging out. Working I thought you were in, I thought uh-huh. you were in the, in the airplane, flying the airplane to your next meeting right now. Nah, <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. I I've done one work call from the yeah. cockpit <laughs> while flying and I'm like, I, I can't do this again. This is just so not, not safe. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, and then abroad, we have people in the Philippines and in mm-hmm. India and we do a lot of our software engineering overseas and a lot of the data entry work that hasn't been automated or low-level bookkeeper work um, also is overseas. Mm-hmm. And the hope is that you know we automate that work away, but we'll still have more customers. So they'll just, they're, they're gonna do fewer uh, tasks, uh, but, but they'll have more customers to deal with. So, so they'll still be employed, but you know, that's kind of, the direction we're taking. Do you have a couple tips about how you're keeping culture together when you're so distributed? Yeah, I think that, um, I think, I think it, it's two things. One is wide sharing of information. So no matter, uh, where you are, you know, what's going on, um, especially with your team. And that's the problem with people in offices. They, they typically are siloed and they're not writing down meeting notes and sharing it out with the wider org. So that's kind of number one. Um, two, it's like very frequent uh, all hands and video call get togethers and also insisting on video meetings instead of phone call meetings. I think it's a really big deal for making it feel like you're connected. And I'm at the point where I'm mostly on video calls all day long. And I feel like there's almost no difference from seeing someone in person because I have no time to do water cooler chat. So um, I, I think video calls and insisting on that is is the next biggest thing you could actually do. But getting 
India and Philippines on board with stuff and the time zone difference, that's really yeah. hard. I think you got to send people to physically be there once in a while and vice versa. That's that's really the, the only way. It's, there's no like silver bullet there. Super interesting. Um, look, Jessica, I really uh, do appreciate your time. Um, I love kind of tracking the progress of your company and uh, I'm sure there's uh, great things in store. Um, before we go, though, let's say, you know, we talked about act firm acquisitions. If um, if there are firms that might be interested in approaching you to see if it might make sense uh, or if people just want to kind of follow along with the progress of Indonero, where can they contact you or, or your or your com- get in touch with your company, let's say? Yeah, I'd say feel free to reach out to me. Just email CEO at indonero.com and yeah if, if you just want to learn more best practices if you want to like just even know like how we would think about like the valuation of your accounting firm or you know you just want to you know just want to chat uh reach out and uh, i'm happy to be a resource or put my team members in touch with you Very too cool i have a feeling you'll be getting a couple emails so uh look like i said i really uh really do appreciate your time and it's been great chatting with you yeah great chatting with you too